When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have on the multi-hyphenate over the years, Amy Emmerich. Um, badass from Queens, but most, well, not most importantly, but right now on her card, if she had a card or basically on her email signature, she is the CEO of Miss Universe. Hello, Amy. How are you? Oh, hello, JJ. Does anyone have <laughs> business cards anymore? I know, right? They might have COVID on them, right? Uh, that used to be the first ask in a job, remember? I need I know. business cards. And now- I just actually found some business cards from Superfly and Rock Nation. And I was like, one of which I helped like decorate basically or like, you know, design. Uh-huh. And I was like, I loved it. I was like, I oh save one from every job, that and IDs. Yeah, exactly. Picture IDs. And that's yes. what we're talking about today, business cards. That's what we're going to Business gonna- cards, designing them and not having them. Um, <laughs> exactly. No one really does. It's all like, go find me on social. I mean, right. I've given people my Instagram account. I'm like, just DM me tomorrow. Yeah. The one place that's not right for social, for business conversations, Instagram. Exactly. Um, but it is easier to find me. Don't no, forget a thousand DMs. At the very end, by the way. That's what Amy I Amy Emmerich. It's very easy to find me. Amy Emmerich. Um, um, so Amy... You're CEO of Miss Universe, right? But yes, the Miss Universe organization. Miss Universe organization. I actually want to start where you came from first, so people really yeah. understand like your the whole trajectory and why you're here. Because it might not seem for taking care of lady business that interviewing the CEO of Miss Universe is a likely fit. So let's start where you started in Queens. We all know from where in Queens, Queens. say. College Point, Queens, New York. There you go. Yep. College Point, um, Queens. And then let's start with your, your business career. Give us a snapshot where you started up till and then right before Miss Universe. I was a kid of the 70s where you watched TV of the Brady Bunch and Star Trek at the same time. So I like science fiction and I always wanted to be behind the camera. And I became a camera woman when small format came out and I shot documentaries for a long time, which was so much fun being out in the world. Um, And little did I realize I was filming strong women all the time. I started a talk show with Rosie O'Donnell, strong female. She fought for a lot of things with that show. Um, Then I was filming police officers. I was filming 
filming female surgeons operating on babies. I mean, I really got to see parts of the world that I think also allowed you to feel like nothing else really matters when you're watching someone get organ transplants. Um, That job matters. Uh, So don't take yourself so seriously um, is the thing. But then I became a development exec because I just kept thinking that as a shooter, I had control. Then I realized I did it. Someone else in offices was making the decisions. So I said, okay, if you got to, the only way to beat them is join them. So I became a development exec. Um, most development execs are inbreds. They start inside the office, have never made things before. So it put me in a different vantage point. And then I was a development exec on the inside. Then I worked for production company. Then I went to digital. Digital was new, but I always took risks, took jobs that probably made no sense. I just was really bored and curious, which worked out for me. And then when I got to Vice during the digital revolution, um, it was really the first time that I got to do what I'm probably, what I do best is juggle a lot of balls at the same time. So most companies say, here's your one job, but I was never a founder, but it led me to be working for founders. So working for Shane Smith. Then I went to, you live at Scripps. Smith at. Advice Media. Not everybody, especially most of my, my viewers don't know him unless they've read bad things about him. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure you could Google him. There's always something, um, working for him at at, advice. And then when I was at ULIV, which was a teeny tiny, it was kind of like scripts was ahead of the game and they started their own digital platform where all the brands were going to have content. Sounds very easy today, but that was the first of its kind before. And there was an internal founder there. And then I went to refinery for founders um, after that, I did a little stint at You Live Live Now. Live Now. I keep confusing. I've worked at You Live and Live Now. How that happened? And that founder was in Europe, um, very eccentric sports VC. And I just realized I'm like a really great number two. I'm the ultimate cheerleader. I could see like what's happening and the best in everyone, and really believe in that voice. And then just hustle and drive at home. So I kind of made the choice to not be a founder. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I think my gumption and my energy is like, you should just start your own thing. You even said that to me many times, but I think I just know, I actually know myself right now. I don't know how you do it. I always say it's amazing, <laughs> but I, the kids are a lot for me and I'm good at having something. I, if I had something I truly believed in as much as you do, or I think a lot of the female founders are, they know they have this great idea and they can't think about anything else. And if I had that happen to me, I'm sure I would. But I think the money part probably held me back from doing that because mm-hmm. the idea of raising money, um, I'm getting more comfortable with it. But you know, I've always had an issue having to originally budget and deal with my cash and what to invest in. So I'm sure that held me back too. But then it just, I found out, you know what, I'm going to, I got the CEO job, which I think more women need to have that title, whether you believe it means anything or not. There's not enough women. I think it's 7% now have CEO titles globally. And I do, it's some crazy number. And I do find people react to it, whether I agree or not, people lean in and they're excited to see a woman with that title. And I'm learning a lot more about business in this seat inside of a larger organization. So maybe when I start to feel really comfortable, I can do the founder gig next. But when I meet so many founders, I have way more fun problem solving for them than I would for myself. Right, right. <laughs> I do it for free. I mean, right. I just think it's like way more fun. And I've been advising two founders, um, and Nadia over at August. It's just fun. 
Your whole career is really, it's been in media, based in media, but different kinds of jobs in media. So first you're like documentary, you're behind the scene. And then at one point you're, you're switching over and, you know, at at Refinery29, you were the chief content officer originally, right? right? Yep. And so you're choosing, so tell us about that job. What does that mean exactly? And then how did you service the four founders at the time? Um, it's funny because back then CCOs were like a new thing. They were mainly those three letters meant chief creative officer yeah. for agencies. And then the digital group started creating chief content officer because a lot of the digital companies were making all different types of content. Yeah. The, the hyphenate, right? So you could do podcasts, short film videos, short films. You can make long form um, audio, video, a- VR, AR, we were making a little of everything. But when I started the video business, I was really there to start a video business. What's the voice and the vision and what do we want to make and how do we utilize the money? As chief content officer, my job was to make sure we can monetize content. What's mm-hmm. every team making and is everyone's business goals in alignment? Because that company was already 10 years old. So the publishing group had their own goals. The design group had their own goals. And when you have that much content getting made inside of one building, everyone's got to be in alignment or nothing will work. So that was pretty much the job. How do you look at something? But I've always cared about the audience. So for me, it was never, if you have a business with purpose, you can't just make money. Right. So you have to really think about what am I doing for the audience? How are we servicing them? And how do you make sure the growth is equal to the money? And honestly, that's like a feminine leadership principle and quality. I think women bring to the table a little bit more. What do you mean? Just, Talk more about that. Well, uh, it's not a capitalist approach. We needed to be the biggest and the best. And keep right. growing, growing, growing money. It's like, if you really believe your product or what you're making is servicing people, well, yeah. then you don't want to do something that you don't want to make more money, but piss off your audience. Right, 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 right. No, it's those are, be that's your core. Yeah. I think it's a feminist capitalist idea, right? We still live in a capitalist society. We, and it's going to serve us as women if we embrace that and don't yes. feel guilty for making money Correct. and in want to make money. And that's, you know, as you know, the whole point of the Justice Department, we want to yes. make women rich. This whole podcast is about helping women find the ways to do that for themselves, you know, yep. and including, cause we do have a lot of founders on here. We have a lot of founders who've started their own businesses, but that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. The old maxim was that 90% of the people want to be led 10% and want to be leaders and 10, 90% want to want to follow. Yep. And that doesn't, doesn't mean such a negative connotation, but it's like, like I want to execute on somebody mm-hmm. else's vision, you know, and there's plenty of room for that. And there's plenty of room to still be an entrepreneur while you're doing that because yes. You have to come up with the ideas in order to do that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't own it at the back end. So you're definitely sacrificing some money when you're not the founder, but you're learning on someone else's done. Yeah. I mean, I I hate to say, but that's what it is. And if you're a fast learner, that helps both parties. But you're right. Feminine capitalist thinking, I think is right. Like, it's okay to think we have to make money as a business. Yeah. So, but, you know, this is a societal problem. We tell everyone, do what you love. No, you really shouldn't. You should probably make as much money as you possibly can when you graduate (laughs) college until you're 30 and then go do what you love. I mean, it's not, this is not the right way. Yeah. It's not so easy to do what you love in the very beginning. We talk about that a lot too on, on this. And it's like, you know what, try out a bunch of things, try them all out and then don't feel bad. Like, you know, go get the most amount of money, try it out. 
go to the next thing, get the most amount of money. You don't be so loyal when you're in-house to something. Yes. You can't be so loyal to it because you, you move the second. They need to get money. rid of you. They will get rid of you. Like it's Absolutely. a hard fact. Yeah. And women Absolutely. also, you know, we fall into that trap a lot. It's like, oh, but they need me and they don't have the money. It's like, oh, you know, I fell into it. I was like, oh no, I, I have to be here. I help everybody. I felt such a loyalty to something that no matter what you want to believe, there's no loyalty back, but it's not, it's business. And business. I think sometimes we forget, and especially in a world now that where everyone wants purpose-driven businesses, it is a little harder. Yeah. You know, I, I said to the guys at Endeavor, do you have the stomach to build this as a purpose-driven driven business because you can't go for every dollar and every transaction. Yeah. We need to really, truly stick to the purpose and that you got to make some decisions you don't like when it comes to the cash, because you can take money from every advertiser. Are those the advertisers you want to be in business with? You're sacrificing cash for the good of the brand and what it stands for, but not everyone, not everyone operates like that. Right. So, you know, obviously you've already talked about a bunch of pivots, which is one thing I really love to show women that you don't have to just start in one thing and then do that your entire time. Yeah. You know, when it comes to being a lawyer though, once you're a lawyer, everybody just calls you a lawyer, even if you you're practice. always a lawyer. I think it's the best. no one ever calls Obama or the Clintons lawyers, but you know, they are. yeah, <laughs> I, but you should, oh, I tell everyone, I'm like, go become a lawyer. You become a better writer, you know, the law which I think is being a founder serves you quite well. Cause no, that is true. every founder the, needs a lawyer, even though they exactly. think, think that they don't, they definitely need somebody in their corner for that. And I, I bet that's something you could probably do a study on because many of the female founders that we even know started off as lawyers. Yeah. It's you just understand the law and the dollar, I think a bit better than creatives oh. who started out telling my stories visually. Also structuring the company, on. which is one of the biggest things, you know, you could lose so much money in taxes or not be protected legally. And yeah. Anyway, we digress. Um, But like, so you have a bunch of pivots, you got to CCO, then uh, became president, right? Yeah. During the acquisition And then you got acquired. And then, yeah. So another whole game. Again, business side, I've never gone through an acquisition before. Yeah. So when it came to the money and raising the money and how all of those things happen at the top and everyone who works there has no idea. And the way that business runs is to keep the secrets and keep it away from the press more than the the staff. I don't think anyone wants to keep things from their staff. I think we live in a media universe where perception drives the conversation, not the reality. So, um, but that was definitely one for the, for the books. Um, took a break, COVID. That's when I realized, like, I mean, I had fun being, I was not a mom. I was a worker right. and that's okay. But I actually really like them now <laughs> and going home with them. And, um, and maybe they didn't have me before, so they didn't need me. Like now they actually need me because they know who I am. So, right. so Amy um, has two kids that two are kids, nine, nine, nine and seven, nine, nine, seven, who yeah. know the amazing justice twins. Yeah. They're friends. And it's different. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's different. So that happens. So now changing your priorities. I think something when you pivot that I wasn't always so great at is not just having a like list of the things that you need in your job. Mm-hmm. And women are never good with details. So if you really want to manifest something, those details, you better have as many details as possible before you do it. Well, at the same time, we were never given an allowance to have kids. It's like, oh yeah, you know, and it wasn't until COVID, I think that people were like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is really hard to juggle. And I'm like, yes, 
it's really fucking hard and impossible. And, you know, I think most women that we know felt like they were just dialing it in when it came to parenting because the workday was just so full on for reasons like you even mentioned before. No one is carrying cancer or like no, you know, but we had to prove ourselves lives, except right? for the people who were doing it, you yeah. know? And it's like it's not like I used to talk about the music industry like that too. It's like there's no reason to call anybody at two in the morning on a Saturday night unless your artist has been arrested after a show. Okay. Like there's no music that is so important. <laughs> It just I said, isn't. I left my phone at the office last night. I've never done that in 47 years. Amazing. And my husband called and says, I'll go back and get it for you. And I was like, actually, no, I'm exhausted. I need to shut it down right now. Yeah. I'm going to sleep. And the, one of the staff here this morning was like, is that a direct note from the CEO? We should leave our phones in the office. And I said, honestly, like, at least don't sleep next to it. It's yeah. like, we, nothing is that important. You know, I'd rather you well rested and come back the next day. Exactly. We're not organ transplants. Right. Um, and I don't think unless if even the dollar, it's like, it'll work itself out. But it took me a long time to understand that. So but pivoting, everyone should always take the risks. But I think everyone's doing that more now. But a lot more founders since COVID, right? Yeah. But then how do you do it? Like, like, what do you, you know, see? So then you go to live now, right? Which is more in a space in like, was a music and entertainment that you had? Streaming platform. Yeah. So he really was trying to take the sports space and moving it over to the music space, but he did build great tech. The tech was great. And the live streaming was awesome. But totally new. Right. I've never done that before. And then, and you were president or CEO then? Um. I was like chief customer officer or something. Okay. They were doing a raise or yeah. But it was also interesting to me that there was going to be a raise happening and how does everyone operate? And, right. um, it so was completely outside like, learn my on your job. Right. Yeah. And then from there, you became the CEO of where you are now. The yes. Miss Universe organization. Is that what we say? Yeah, it really is an organization. There's like multiple things underneath it. Just yeah. who knew? I didn't and- know. And so having done all this stuff, more female focused, really in the space and like working at Refinery for so long, like what made you want to take this position? What was attractive to you about it? Well, isn't it that like once you see something, you can't unsee it. So once I think you're in like the feminist space and you really can see how it is to speak up for women. I used to say fight, but I don't have that fight in me anymore. But just to to speak up, to be the only woman in the room, which right now in larger organization, I'm sometimes the only female executive in the room. Yeah. Um, Which I can't even believe, right? But that's still a thing because I lived inside of a woman's universe for so long in business that I, I forgot what else was happening. So the footprint, the social footprint of the Miss Universe organization is already at like 24 million globally. And I've worked for a lot of organizations that say they're global, but it's a lot more stats than truth. And I was watching global conversations happening from people all over the world. And for the most part, they were positive. And also inside of a social universe, that's normally bullying and judgment. Um, it was really interesting to see because they hadn't been serving this audience yet. They had two people on social. Yeah. So it was all an afterthought. So I said, well, something's got to be going on here. It took me four years to grow an audience like that at Refinery. And these guys are sitting on one. Yeah. Um, and then I got flown to Israel to see the competition that was in Israel in December. And it was just different when I got put in the judge's seat during rehearsal. And I watched the women do the walk in their bathing suits. And then I met them and I heard from them why these things matter. It was confidence that you're judging. 
not what does she look like in the suit? And I think as we've even grown, we've realized we're not judging each other as much as we once used to. We're actually there to women supporting women. And I knew in that moment, I couldn't walk on the stage in my bathing suit. Like, I don't think you could pay me enough to do it. Um, and that's a shame. I shouldn't think like that. I actually look better now than I've ever looked. So why would I not do that? And I said, this is why this is important to show us, like, you can do it. The body situation is going to evolve over time, right? How we think about body positivity in this country is just not where the rest of the countries are yet. But isn't that our job to help, you know, educate? Um, and then I also just felt like privilege is a big word now that wasn't before. And as mainly white privileged women of this country, we're judging this thing, Miss Universe, not knowing how much good it's doing for the rest of the planet. Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation I don't think we could have had two years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think now you can open up people's minds to that and say, before you judge this thing, why don't you really take a look at how much good it does? Because the nonprofit sector gets so much out of this place. It's uh, crazy. The title holder right now is raising five, I think 15 million over three years for menstrual equity. Who was going to give us 15 million for menstrual equity? Mm-hmm. So the brand is like the Super Bowl in some places, but you know me, it's also a challenge. So right. when people say, oh, why are you pivoting? I'm like, go for the challenge, go for the risk. You're going to learn the most. Um, it forces you to live in the moment, I think, be really curious and admit that you don't know anything. None of us know anything. Yeah. But, you know, women are so judged on that. Right. It's like, um, you know, I had Cindy Gallup on here not long ago and and we talk a lot about how um, women go, you know, if if they're up for a job, they're like, oh, I'm not ready because I haven't done it. And like, well, how how would you have done it unless you've done it? And then a guy who is like 70 percent ready, he's like, oh, I can totally nail this. Yep, you might have all the skills. You just have never had that direct title. But it's also not just us internally. It's externally, because when I left Rock Nation, I was an EVP and I really wanted to be the president. And um, headhunters would be like, well, you've never been a president. And I was like, neither was Obama until he was the president. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Yes. I have all the skills. I, That's my next step to be yes. a president. So I was hired as a president at Superfly. He saw through that and said, you know, you're ready for the next challenge. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's like great learning experience to be like, you know what, go for it. When you have the opportunity, get it to the next level and then, you know, and challenge yourself to, you know, go higher and bigger and know that you have all the background to be able to do it, you know? I mean, you're right. The, I think we self-center, censor ourselves, right? Yeah. When I went for this, the recruiter called me and I was like, I don't think I can do a CEO job yet. I think I need more experience. And then I remembered that stat. I was like, I'm not saying anything. We're just going to go it, you know, let's just do it and see what happens. Yeah. Because any man would have. So yeah. that's kind of what I did. And I'm honest with the group. It's the first time. Anytime you do something for the first time, it's going to be hard. So for founders or for people who pivot, you can't take something because you think I want an easy gig and I want to relax. Because every time you shift and change, it's a lot of work because you're learning something new. You're doing something for the first time. Yeah. So it's effort. And I think I was not afraid of the risk. Um, if you're so miserable, like in your life today, you don't like your job. What do you lose by taking a risk or going out on your own? True. Um, you're going to be more mad at yourself and have regrets that you didn't, I think. But I also don't think you should do it just because everyone's telling you, at least the, the founding thing. And I don't know if it's not in my future. Hell, Gallup is how old? I got like 25 more good years in me. I mean, most founders are between the ages of 40, 50. Yeah. 50, right. Um, well, there's more and more. And, and uh, the statistics are between 40 and 60. They have like three times more likelihood of success. Right. Because you've done it. Yeah. Um, done it. So 
there's something yeah. good there, but pivots and risk, lean into the risk. It's and then what about saying, so, you know, this is the first time you've been the CEO, right? Yeah. And everybody always thinks now there's only 7% women that are CEO, that that's what they want to do, but it comes with a lot of downside too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's heavy, uh, right? It's definitely heavy. You're not one of the crowd. All of the accountability and responsibility, I think if you're a good leader, lands on your shoulders and you need to really own that down to who works here, what we're doing, every single value, every form that leaves the building. Just knowing that like respect is so important and the trust is so important. And so is like the perception though of who you are as a leader. Mm-hmm. So I give the place, you know, Endeavor has been actually really wonderful to me. I think it was me that felt at first odd that I was like the female executive in the room, but they were aware um, that they need more diversity and we're hiring for that. For Miss Universe, definitely should be an all-female team. Well, you would be shocked at like, (laughs) there is a president here, Paula, who's amazing, but surrounded by men. Yeah. Surrounded. So how could she possibly have been successful to the, you know, utmost degree if she's the only woman fighting against a male system? It's going to stay the way it was for women, right? It's like, I say this all the time. It's like, you can, with all the best intentions, men can give you advice, but they've never walked a foot in your stiletto to know what it's like to walk in to a room full of other, you know, being the only other all the time and knowing factually all the different judgments that women have on them and added pressures in the business world that hopefully will be changing, but, you know, everything from, you know, being called bossy, no man has ever been called bossy in his life, you know, when they're just aggressive and assertive, you know, to just, you know, being seen as, as, you know, a pain in the ass because you ask for a raise, you know, all those things in there. So it's really hard. And in particular, you're advocating for women in Miss Universe. That's what I'm saying. Like, are you even looking at who these women are? I've been doing a lot of pitching um, for distribution. A, I haven't been pitching in so long. So this is all new and just doing it through Zoom, talking to everyone. But the one feedback I get every time is like, there's total vision and passion here, which we're not sure if that was coming through before in the fight for women. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Paula didn't have the space to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. she was too busy doing the business deals and just trying to get money in the door, she didn't have time to go out there and anything she wanted, she's fighting up against patriarchal systems to get it. It's really difficult. But another thing, like being really true partners with another woman, like coming in generationally and saying, I'm not here to replace you. You can't leave. I need you the same way. Like it's been really good energy to reignite something. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's not even necessarily the exact brand, but just how you work together as women um, when there was only one in the room, right? You got very jealous of who was coming up. I think right now COVID has shifted the reshuffle, the great reshuffle of what's going on. Um, women tend to make more money when you move around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's sure. a big, big ask for everyone's Gen Z, but what about all these experienced women over the age of 45? There's room for both of them <laughs> inside your organization yeah. and how they can mentor one another. Yeah. Um, I just think that we're only on the precipice of really realizing that all this new work from home, how can you utilize people, shared work hours, shared job experience with, you know, youthful experience? I mean, technology is changing so quickly. How can you expect everybody who's over the age of 50 to know every new shorthand sign for word? 
I mean, you're not. It's like, so, okay, how do you help each other? But at that age, you have more experience about the world and the business world yeah. um, has been through more and they have more to share. Yeah. But um, I do think people are more open to it now. There's no more jealousy in it. But, open to what? Um, what do you mean? Open to? Open to the intergenerational knowledge yeah. share. I don't know well, if that men have been doing it because they're the only, you know, people in the workplace for so long, you know, and so they've been obviously there's all generations in the workplace. And it's like so to, you know, have a fully stacked intergenerational female. I mean, I'm sure it's like in a lot of uh, magazines, you know, female magazines, et cetera, to see that kind of thing. But, you know, to and it's so important to put that in all different kinds of corporate settings. And, you know, instead of just like you were saying, it's like Miss Universe happens to be something that is more female forward. Obviously it's a very female forward company. I mean, female forward subject, really. It's like product, whatever you want to call what it it is. Um, But I think it's just important if you're at a beer company or if you're at, you know, a car company. Absolutely. You know, know, women drink beer and I don't, but, you know, um, (laughs) and also, you know, drive cars. And they're so stacked with all men. And if you had a bunch of intergenerational women, not just hiring one CEO to be like, look what we got. And then all the women are, you know, assistants. It's like, that's not going to move the needle at all. Right. it's not going to, you know, and so while I preach all the time about building the matriarchal system and having female founded companies, we still have a patriarchal system that, you know, a majority of the women and, you know, still work in and, and want to thrive in. So this, like this conversation is so important for them. It's like, how do you thrive in this patriarchal system and how, if you have a patriarchal system and you really want to change and be diverse, like, how can you do this? And this is one. It's breaking it down little by little. I didn't come here to like change all of endeavor. Right. Yeah. However, I'm going to ask, okay, here's my org chart. What is every woman making and is it equal? And have we done a market analysis? First question. I don't know if I would have done that right away before, you know, lessons that you've learned through time. Um, Walking into a room, a conference room and making sure you call out the person who's not speaking or after facts, say, don't you realize your voice matters? Like, speak up. I want to hear from you. Those things wouldn't have happened when I was younger, but not because I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted them to. They were living in their own you know, strict rules time. Yeah. But um, I just find those little small nuances, even in being in, um, you know, every, you know, I love to say the word period um, or menstruation in every single meeting I'm in, going to these, you know, male executive meetings and talking about menstrual equity in a room where no one even knew that was a thing um, is important. Yeah. But, you know, earlier, I think there's something about, like, I lost a lot of my ego. I didn't even think I had an ego and then I lost a lot of it. And once you do that, you kind of just can't, care. Like we're, we're all not living by titles alone. I think it's more interesting when you meet a founder and like, what's, what's the thing you had to make. That's more interesting to me than like a title someone has. Mm-hmm. Everyone is still afraid of that hierarchy system. You know, are Emmanuel? That's like the big guy. I'm like, who cares? Email him. You got something to say, email him. Yeah. You know, everyone is equal at the end of the day. And I don't think you're going to get fired for writing an email. And if you do, you don't want to be at that company in no. the first place. Right. So, yeah. the, But the first step is to allow yourself to think I'm equal. Yeah. It's really just yourself holding it back. True. So I've been pushed to the test on that here Limiting um, a little bit. Yeah. I remember being at, um, at Superfly and they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, we have like a happy hour and it was like all beer. And I was like, 
no, 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 no. Somebody go out and get some wine. And they're like, oh, I never thought it. I mean, I don't think people here really care. They go get wine. Everyone's like, thank you. It's like, yeah, like, think about it. And then, and then we would go like to an event or something like, oh, you know, it's only like eight blocks we're going to walk. And I was like, no, we're not. I'm wearing heels. We're not walking. What's wrong with you? And we're like, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. And I was like, yeah, because, you know, there's actually a term for it. I can't remember what it's called. Um, gender bias. It's something, something about yeah. gender bias, but with that unconscious gender bias, not yes. understanding. And it's like, just That's like everything. Yeah. Just like you know, when the um, offices are 10 degrees. Uh, it's like, I never told you to wear a long sleeve shirt and a jacket and tie. Okay. That's not my issue. <laughs> like, <laughs> wear a t-shirt. Either. I have a heater in here. Everyone outside is in coats. And I was like, I have a heater Um, because I just fuse. But it's also the opposite. I think some, you enjoy, like, you know, I haven't worn heels in like seven years, but now I can't even wear them if I wanted to because of my ankle. But I had to get really comfortable that I don't have to dress apart to come in with this title. And sometimes it's not even a dress apart for the older male executives. It's almost sometimes like, oh, but if you're a leader, I'm supposed to look like this, even to the younger women. And it, it really does take like, I can't have an ego on this. This is who I am. And every time I meet everyone, and that's probably another just tip for a founder, you can't fake it. You really have to be yourself, even if there's things about yourself that you're insecure about. That's probably your biggest superpower anyway. Yeah. You're authentic. Who you are as a leader, you can't fake, but like you can fake that, you know, some stuff until you figure it out or Google it on the side, but you know, (laughs) But yes, but that on or call 50 women that, you know, who are, you know, like I trust me, I was like, okay, who's the CEO inside of an organization that I know yeah. so that this way I could call and ask that. And I think that there's been so many amazing organizations, even what you're doing here for female founders, just you're allowed to ask the questions. No one knows everything. How am I curious enough? Am I doing this right? Um, Being able to do that. If you act like you're doing it right, you're in trouble. Yeah, no, I agree. All very sage advice from the woman from College Point, Queens, Amy Emran. Yep. You always run away from your hometown. And then you're like, look what I made it from. All like, what is it, like six miles? Um, Yeah, 20 minutes, no traffic. (laughs) Might as well be light years away, though, JJ. Might as well be. Uh, Anyway, so look, (laughs) this is all amazing. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, in particular women that are going to, you know, benefit from being in a company and not feel bad that they don't want to be a female founder are going to get a lot out of this. So thank you so much. There is always one question, though, that I ask everybody. And Mm -hmm. that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? To take people's advice. <laughs> the worst advice you've ever received is to take their advice. Um, well, because you know, you know, I'll ask too many people. Like, you know, just that's you, true. you shouldn't that's only true. listen to the advice that's in the room, especially in a business setting. Yeah, you shouldn't bring that up. I mean, that's why women stay quiet for so long. That's true. You got to do what you know is right. Yeah, that's the right listen advice. to your intuition. It's another yep. common theme along here too. Thanks. Um, Thank you so much for coming on here. If people want to find you in the Miss Universe organization, how do they do that? Amy Emmerich, Instagram. Amy Emmerich at Instagram. Well, no, Um, just that's my Instagram handle. And then you can find out all the things that are happening. All the things. You're welcome to hunt me down any which way you want. Happy to help. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice.